The American philosopher, poet, and environmental scientist Henry David Thoreau said, Happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will evade you. This sounds like bad news for those of us seeking happiness, but don't despair. We've got a plan on how to catch that elusive butterfly. But before we get to that, I want to thank you for tuning into the Happiness Playbook, a podcast that supports your practice of play theory, a life strategy that helps you achieve happiness through hope, creativity, and validation of self and others. No butterfly net required. I'm Larie Florence, and I'll be your host for episode 106 of the Happiness Playbook. Today, we're talking about five habits that will lead to long-term happiness, regardless of your genes or upbringing. But before we get to that, it's time for our team huddle. How did you do with last week's challenge? Were you able to look outward and commit a random act of kindness? Were you able to be present and truly see the stranger in front of you and then seek to uplift and validate them? Please let us know in the comments or message us at the Happiness Playbook on Instagram. We love hearing from you. A big thank you to Lorna, who shared this after listening to last week's episode. This episode dropped on a day I, too, had been traveling. On a crowded flight, I chose to sit next to a mother with two-and-a-half-year-old and and seven-month-old. What a delight to help her entertain her littles by talking to and smiling at them. As we disembarked and made the long journey to baggage claim, the two-and-a-half-year-old and I played a game where he went on the moving walkways while I walked alongside on the regular floor. He learned to get on and off the walkways with a little jump. It was so fun! The fireworks happened when it was time to part company, and his mom asked if he would like to give me a hug goodbye. A regular pattern of connection helps us lift one another and lighten each other's load, not like aimless plastic bags, but like light-hearted humans overcoming the drag of a sometimes burdensome world. Thank you so much, Lorna. That was beautiful. And if you didn't listen to episode 105, uh, We're Not a Plastic Bag, you should go back and listen to it. it uh, Lorna summed it up really well with that. These one-on-one interactions are where we can affect change and reap the rewards. So thank you so much, Lorna, for giving us feedback about how you're applying, looking outward, and spreading the love, even when you were probably tired and weary yourself. I know Lorna personally, and she is a play theory happiness ninja. At times, I've tried to share principles of happiness by leading in-person play theory workshops at high schools. I sometimes start off by saying something like, I have a superpower. I can read all of your minds. I know what each of you wants. Now, this would make a few of the participants squirm while others leaned in with curiosity. Then I'd let them in on the reality that everyone wants to be happy. Occasionally, a kid dressed in all black with a somber expression would challenge me by insisting that they indeed did not want to be happy. Instead, they wanted to be depressed. They wanted to be angry. I'd reply with, why do you want to be depressed? Why is it important to you to be angry? Most would step right into my trap as the words, because it makes me happy, spilled into the room. Their eyes would widen and their expression would melt from angry confrontation to surprise, even as a slight smile would break their practiced expression of apathy. 
Y'all, the truth is we all want to feel happy. We just have different ideas about how to get there. Some despots think that they can only be happy if they rule the world. The emo kid in the play theory workshop thought that they could only be happy if they were moody and negative. Some people think they need others' approval to be happy, while others find happiness as they step into the freedom of not caring what anyone else thinks. Bottom line, everyone is seeking the elusive butterfly of happiness. Here's the thing. Some paths that we may think will help us arrive at happy are just dead ends. Sometimes we look outside of ourselves in the pursuit of happiness. We think that once we get that new car or move into the right neighborhood or get to hang out with those other people, then we'll finally have it, happiness. And truth be told, we do for a time, but the heightened mood will soon drop back down to our baseline of happiness once the newness with its dopamine hit wears off. And also, even when we do achieve that high-value goal, it won't erase the other obstacles and challenges that will still be present in our lives. When I was in college, I was obsessed with my weight. I was convinced that if I could only lose 10 pounds, everything else in my life would be better. I looked at others that I perceived as not needing to lose extra weight and thought that their lives must be so much easier than mine. That is erroneous thinking. Some people fall into the pitfall that happiness is beyond our control. Listen again to what Henry David Thoreau said. Happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will evade you. I used to have this mistaken belief that happiness wasn't something I could get on my own. I would never catch it. I believed it either happened to me or it didn't. It happened to others or they weren't lucky. I saw others who had it, and I was jealous. I perceived them as being the lucky ones and that I was an unlucky one. For a time, I even believed that because of the challenges I had in my family of origin, I would never be able to be truly happy. I was wrong. Listen again to all of what Henry David Thoreau said about happiness. Happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will evade you. But if you notice the other things around you, it will gently come and sit on your shoulder. Do you see what I was missing? I was partially right. I can't control a lot of the circumstances in my life. Things like shiny new cars and achieving an important goal may be within our reach. Nevertheless, challenges like catching a cold or having to file taxes or forgetting your school backpack are still at play in our lives. Life is a constant balance between the upswings and the challenges we face. We can't control all of the factors that would be needed to guarantee our continual happiness. All we can do is accept all of life's circumstances while doing our best to be in the position that will be most conducive to our happiness. Here's a pop quiz for you. Who do you think is happier? Someone who was suddenly paralyzed in an accident or someone who just won the lottery? Seems obvious, right? You may be surprised to learn that according to a study by the University of Massachusetts, people who were paralyzed from an accident had more hopeful outlooks than people who had won the lottery. How can that be? 
You see, the lottery win does create a spike in happiness and life satisfaction, but over time, this heightened mood returns to the person's baseline and the euphoria of a winning ticket fades as the newness wears off. Meanwhile, the person who was recently paralyzed has nothing external to pin their hopes on. They are forced to dig deep and create their own optimism and hope. So how do we do that? There are loads of externalities that are out of our control that contribute to our happiness or lack of it. Like, were your parents happy? Did they model good behavior and help you develop a sense of optimism? Or were you neglected or raised under a shadow of fear and impending doom? My dad had read a book back in the early 70s called The Coming Crash. It was all about how society was on the cusp of collapse. That was 50 years ago, and we're still rolling. Needless to say, though, my dad was eager to see his beliefs that were based on the book's predictions justified, and consequently, my childhood was steeped in pessimism and doubt. My point is, even if you weren't lucky enough to be raised in a home that cultivated attributes that contribute to happiness, you can still coax that butterfly to come your way. There are plenty of happiness factors that you can control, factors that produce long-term happiness. It's like what we're always saying here at the Happiness Playbook. Happiness is not a one and done. It's an outlook that we can develop through our choices and practice. Research has found five steps that you can take to improve your mood and make your life more inviting to the butterfly of happiness. The first was, we need companionship. We're social beings. And research shows that people who spend more time with friends and loved ones are happier than people who are solitary. In contrast, feelings of insecurity and self-doubt grow when we cut ourselves off from others. So instead of isolating yourself, look outward and make connections with others. All right, the second step we can take. We need to feel a sense of control in our lives. In contrast, when we feel we have no control, we feel helpless and depressed. In studies of nursing home patients and prison inmates, two populations that have very limited control, when they were given control over even small things like choosing what they would watch on TV or where they could move a chair in a room, produced measurable improvements in mood. Now, of course, we can't control everything in our lives, but instead of focusing on the things that are out of our control, like others' behaviors or the weather, our adult children or our cat, focusing on things that are in our control will help us have a sense of well-being and improve our mood. So take initiative and enjoy a choice that you make. Rearrange your living room furniture or send a card to a friend that you miss Take action in something that you care about and can have control over. Accepting what you can't control and building on what you can will do much to improve your outlook. All right, our third step we can take. We need to feel invigorated by occasional change. When we try something new, our brain releases dopamine, which is also known as our brain's happy drug. 
and doing new things will make your life feel fuller. Our brains love the stimulus of new things. When we're experiencing something for the first time, it can even feel like time is slowing down. So let go and play and try something different from your regular routine. It doesn't have to be a big thing. It can be something little. You'll still get the same benefit. All right, the fourth thing we can do. Our bodies need physical exercise and rest. Science agrees that we need to use it or we lose it. There are myriads of well-documented, proven positive benefits from regular physical exercise for all of our body's systems. Physical exercise does so much more than just maintaining our physique and stamina. It also releases those feel-good chemicals of endorphins and serotonin that make us feel great and love life. Getting enough sleep is the most overlooked action we can take to improve our mood. Sleep. We just don't get enough, and most of us are in sleep deficits that we've been accruing for years. I just listened to a book called Why We Sleep that went on and on for hundreds of pages discussing the benefits of sleep and the challenges we create for ourselves when we don't get enough of this essential reset for our bodies. Sleep, or the lack thereof, has a profound effect on our mood. Many of us assume we can compensate for exhaustion with some caffeine, but there's so much more to it. Our bodies need sleep to run the chemical processes that build the components of our bodies that are needed to feel good and experience euphoria. Sleep is essential if we want to feel good physically, mentally, and emotionally. For anyone in doubt out there, think about the difference a nap makes for the behavior of a two-year-old. It's an absolute game changer. All right, our last step. Research shows that we are happier when we look outward. Little things like sending a note or giving a gift lifts our mood. Volunteering and serving others connects us to others and helps us feel good about ourselves. So keep looking outward and remember to connect to others through random acts of kindness. Here's a really cool finding from this research. And I'll link the article in this, the show notes if you want to go through and look at it. While some of us were lucky enough to have built-in qualities like optimism, humor, and extroversion from our genes or from these attributes being modeled in our family of origin, for those of us who weren't so lucky, faking these positive qualities also increases our happiness. Like the saying goes, fake it till you make it. Has this ever happened to you? You're in a grumpy mood, but you have to show up to teach, or maybe you have to go to a class or work a shift at your job, and so you act happier than you feel. Then somewhere along the way, you notice that dark cloud hanging over you has dissipated, and you're not as grumpy as when the day started out. So when all else fails, pretend to be happy. After a while, it can be real. Like Henry David Thoreau said, Happiness is like a butterfly. The more you chase it, the more it will evade you. But if you notice the other things around you, it will gently come and sit on your shoulder. We can't demand that we achieve happiness in a direct way, but we can focus on the habits that cultivate it. It's like 
planting a butterfly garden full of blooming plants whose scent is irresistible to butterflies. Cultivating the garden will bring the butterflies. Let's wrap this up. Our play of the week's a bit of a doozy because we're trying to incorporate all five of the steps we can take to improve our mood. Ready? Take the initiative and try out a new form of physical exercise with someone else. Also, do a kind act or some type of service and get enough sleep this week. That should keep you plenty busy till next week where we'll be talking about how being present can still serve us even when we really don't want to be there. Keep practicing happy. Until then, you got this.